I want to thank you guys. Uh, I want to thank you guys out there for inviting Becky and myself, especially to Pastor Ulysses and Christine. Uh, we uh, got to meet uh, each other at the missions conference, and I spent some time with him last night. And we're going to spend some more time in, in the next day or so, and uh, just picking his brain about church planting and uh, and just seeing you guys here at Renewal. Like it's been so encouraging because. You guys were a church that started uh, not too long ago. Yet you guys are you guys are making such a big impact, and you guys are such a great community community community, right? Like, um, and so we're really encouraged by everything that we see do, you guys uh, doing up here uh, in the valley. And so, uh, yeah, we're just excited to to be part of uh, this family and uh, just to be part of uh, uh, this AMI work uh, that God is doing. So, uh, if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter twelve, verse one through three. And now I'm going to read this, we'll pray, and then we'll dive into God's word uh, together. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you so much uh, for just this Sunday where we can gather together uh, and in your name and in your spirit worship you, and in your name and in your spirit, uh, Lord, hear from you. Uh, to be edified, to be filled by you. So, Father, we pray that you will give us ears to hear, hearts that are open, give us hands that will obey, Father, and may these lips uh, speak your word to your people. Uh, Father, we want to thank you. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's our, uh, I think it's our first time up here in the valley. Do you guys call it the valley? Is it Silicon Valley? What do you guys call this place? This year? Bay Area, Bay Area, right? Uh, it's my first time in this part of the Bay Area, um, but I, honestly, I feel like it's homecoming for me. Uh, yesterday, I kind of had a surreal experience. My wife and I, uh, she didn't want to go, but I, I drug her. We went to the Apple Park, uh, the spaceship, and I wanted to get to the spaceship. Like, I was trying very hard, and like, sir, you cannot go. I even uh, texted my brother, who has a friend that works at Apple. I was like, hey, can you get us on, onto the spaceship? And he's like, sorry, off limits, you know. But we got as close as we could get. We got to the visit, visitor center. Uh, we went to the only app, that, and they, they go out of their way to say this. This is the only cafe operated by Apple. So we went to the, the Apple cafe. I got an Apple cider. I went up to their Apple Terrace and looked at the Apple spaceship, drinking my Apple cider and thinking, how awesome is God, right? Like, how beautiful is this, right? Uh, it felt like a homecoming because, like, I, I don't know about you guys. I'm an Apple. Any Apple employees here? Amen. Can you get me into the spaceship tomorrow? No? Sorry. All right. Won't pray for you as much as Daniel, but no, I was kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, so it's like, I was like an Apple fanboy since 2001. I, I don't know if you guys remember this, maybe our brother back there. I, I had the Power Titanium G4. You guys remember that? The first silver aluminum chassis, a MacBook or PowerBook. That was me, you know? But I, I got it not for like really cool reasons or not because I was, you know, typing up sermons. 
my compact laptop was crashing every time I was trying to download Korean dramas. And so my brother gave me this so I could uh, stream, or I don't know if it was streaming back then, but watch Korean dramas without any interruption. So that's how I got into it. Um, I was watching Korean dramas. I would burn CDs on my LeCi burner. I was very, I'm very, and I'm still very committed to the Apple ecosystem. So it's kind of kind of like a homecoming for me. Uh, and now that I have these brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm sure this feels even more like home. But all joking aside, like uh, the Bay Area, this part of the, the Bay Area, the Silicon Valley that you guys are a part of, uh, it is a center of uh, imagination, center of ingenuity. It's a center of the world in many ways. And you guys, um, are part of that. And being part of Renewal, like you guys are working for your companies, Google, whatever company you're working with, and you guys are part of uh, that industry, but being part of Renewal, you are part of God's work in the Bay Area. And that's even more amazing. And as you guys continue to be part of Renewal, as you guys continue to follow the lead of Pastor Ulysses, you're going to see God do great and amazing things in you and through you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, just the intro from Becky and myself, you know, Pastor Ulysses. And honestly, you guys have one of the best, uh, like, pastors at AMI. Like, I don't, I, this doesn't go out, right? But I'm going to share a lot of things. But I think Pastor Ulysses, like, getting to know him, he's one of the funniest guys He's good looking, look at his shoes, right? They're, they're fresh. I, I'm trying to look as fresh as him. Like I was scouting you guys out. I was like, he's a good looking guy. I gotta bring my A game, right? Um, uh, but I think, uh, why, I don't I'm just getting lost here, right? Um, but you know, for, for myself, Becky and myself, you know, we've been uh, pastoring for the past 18 years now. Um, we're going to Dallas and um, we really just feel called uh, to go out there. And this has been an amazing journey. Uh, and kind of like uh, you guys started a few years ago, we, we are really uh, excited about planting and birthing a church uh, in the Dallas area. And then uh, we had some uh, prayer cards out there. If you guys want to get to know more about what's going on, uh, please feel free to follow us. Um, but yeah, we're just really excited to, to be part of this new process. And hopefully by the end of the sermon, uh, I'll get at least half of you to move to Dallas uh, with me. Uh, that is the goal. But we're starting this church, and uh, the church is actually called the Blessing Church. Um, and I was talking to Pastor Ulysses last night over, over dinner uh, in Mountain View, and I asked him, how would you get, come up with the name? And I don't know if you guys know, and maybe I can share this detail, but you guys were originally supposed to be called the Heights, Right? Um, and he, he even lived in a place called Los Altos. He's like, oh, it's a prophetic like, place to live, right? I, Altos means heights in Spanish, and, but then Christine put a no to that real fast, right? It was a veto. Um, but then you guys are called Renewal, and for me, I'm trying to think of a name, right? I'm like, I'm trying to think of a cool name, um, but I'm not a very cool guy, and like, I'm trying to be hip, but I'm not very hip at the same time. And so I was like, God, what name do you want us do you want to give to this church? And the Lord gave to me at the beginning of this year just the word blessing three separate times. And so I had this idea of this word blessing. And then I went to Atlanta to, to preach. And Pastor Dandy, awesome guy as well, he's like, you know what helped us out is our, our church name has the word church and our city. So whenever people Google it, it's one of the top hits. So now I, I know, all right, I, I have the word blessing. 
and I need to have the word church, and Dallas needs to go in there. And I don't know if you guys know, but uh, like the initials would be BCD. And I was like, yes, BCD. <laughs> but BCD is also a very popular tofu house in Dallas and LA. And so, but nonetheless, we are the Blessing Church of Dallas. Uh, they call us for BCD, come for Christ or tofu, whatever you like. We'll do both. Um, and <laughs> as we're looking at this word today, a blessing, what you see in this passage and what you see throughout scripture is that God desires to bless his people. God desires to bless his people so that they will be blessings. God desires to bless his people so that they will be blessings. Today I want to share with you that, first of all, that God invites us to leave our old lives and to enter into his new life. That God leads us through trust and obedience as we keep in step with his Holy Spirit. And that God desires to bless you so that you may be a blessing. First thing is God desires, God invites us to leave our old lives and to enter into his new life. I'm looking out at the crowd uh, and I asked Pastor Ulysses and he said that most likely half, maybe a little more uh, are, of you guys are, are transplants. Uh, we have, you know, obviously some, some of the coolest people are from Chicago, our brother right here. Uh, yes, Chicago Pride, there we go. Uh, people from the East Coast, uh, people are all, from all around. And even Los Angeles, this, the, the city where I'm at right now, and Dallas where I'm going, it's becoming a, a place of transplants. When you look at the world today, uh, when you look at the major cities, and when you look at, especially in the light of COVID, we live in a world and in a time of, of transplants and transients. Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, New York, Dallas, Seoul, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, major cities in Europe. We are, live in a time and a, in, in a world of transplants. But thousands of years ago, transplants, being a transplant was not a thing. Verse 1, God says to Abram, first words from God to Abram, he says, go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house to the land that I will show you. Go. Thousands of years ago in the ancient Near East, you were born in a certain town to a certain person, to a certain family. You were born in a certain culture with a certain language. You were born to certain gods and to certain traditions, and you died in that same manner. Oftentimes, names, you, you would be called Simon, son of someone, because that was where you came from. Not too long ago, during the time of the Renaissance, mid, mid, even during the middle, medieval times, uh, you would have your last name be the, the, the town from where you came from. Your locality was a very important thing. 
It wasn't just a matter of taxes. It wasn't just a matter of residence, but it was who you were. It was who you worshiped. It was the culture you carried. It was the family that you were from, and your job was to carry on these traditions of the, that locality by passing on these festivals, these gods, this language, this local culture to your children and to your children's children. You did not transplant yourself. You did not transplant yourself. Transplanting was for the desperate. They were for prisoners of war, exiles, foreigners, the displaced. Yet here we have God entering into Abram's life saying, go. Yet here we have God entering into Abram's life saying, depart, saying, leave your father's house. Go from your country and your kindred to the land that I will show you. Oftentimes in our lives, God will tell us to go, to leave. Pastor Ulysses was sharing my story or my background. And uh, for eight years, my wife and I, we actually served in Korea. Uh, we served at a church called Yo the Gospel Church. And it, it, membership was, I think right now it's at 800,000 any given Sunday, you had over 100,000 mem- uh, attendees uh, at the church. It was a city, pretty much. Uh, and I was sharing this with last night. We loved the eight years there. I got to worship with 40 different nations. I had uh, a Wall Street uh, law firm partner worshiping in the front. The ambassador from Zambia was playing bass for me in the back. It was just an amazing experience, and I would not trade it for anything else. That was part of my, my stay. That was part of my, my eight years. But the other part was working in a huge Korean organization, or, or rather a corporation. Uh, that was a part that was very difficult. I, and it, for those eight years, I think for my wife and I, it never really felt like home. And I'm a big guy. I, I like... I'm like, a guy, I'm like a settling type of guy. That's the type of guy I am. And for me, my home is my abode. It's a place where I rest. It's a place where I, I, I kind of get back to, 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 to equilibrium. But in, in Korea, for those eight years, I never really felt like I had a home because there were these tiny apartments. And in, in my house, usually my favorite place, and we all have our favorite place, right? It could be your breakfast nook. It could be your, your, your couch in your living room. The favorite, my favorite place in my, my house is the shower. I, I know that's a weird place to, to make my favorite place, but it, it is because that's where I pray. That's where I meet with God. That's where I just soak literally and figuratively, figuratively in his presence. I, I do sermon outlines on the wall. I will spend literally 30 minutes under the shower, and I know we're in a drought, right? Um, but, and I know i got to save water, but that's just how it is. And for eight years, I didn't have that shower. Like, in Korea, honestly, if you're Korean, like, I'm saying this as a fellow Korean, we're hobbits, honestly. Like, we're small folk. We're, we're small peoples. Uh, we're getting bigger these days, but the, the, the bathrooms were made for hobbits. And, you, like, as I would shower, like, I could not turn around without, like, you know, bank, bumping into something. And the, not only that, like, as soon, as soon as you turn on the water, the water's hitting my chest. I'm like, this is not a shower. And for eight years, I know, first world problems, right? For eight years, I was like, Lord, why can't I have a shower? I finally come back to America. I'm like... And then I go to uh, Tapestry, our sister church in, in Los Angeles, and, and my timeline, I'm thinking is, oh, I'll be 
in LA for six years. Finally, I can settle. Finally, I can have a home. First thing I do is I look for a house. We look at, we're up in the Valencia area. And first thing I do, I go to the bathroom. I look at how big the bathroom is. I do a full turn. I'm like, I could turn. I, I look at the faucet or the, the, the shower head. It hits my head and so my chest. I'm like, thank you, Lord. A few months in, Pastor Charles says, oh, Pastor Keith just called. He wants you to move down to Southland. I'm like, no, Lord. It's not too, it's not, they're all in Southern California, but they're not, they're not close enough where I can commute. So I moved down uh, to this place, this, uh, uh, this apartment that just feels like a rental. First thing I do, I jump in the shower. I can't turn around. I turn on the water. It hits my chest. I'm like, God, why did you forget me, right? <laughs> all, all, you know, laugh, joking aside, you know, we, we have our struggles, and that was mine. And I was like, Lord, why can't I ever settle? Why am I always moving? I can't even have my own shower. And once I do, you take it from me. And now I'm going to this city called Dallas. I never even thought of it. Like it was, it was brought on us and not, not something that we selected. God, why? And in the midst of my complaining about a shower head, and as I was telling him, God, how come I'm, like, I can never have a home? How come I can never settle? God, in a very lovingly, fatherly way, But also as a, a gracious rebuke, he said, Yun, you have no home. Yun, you're temporary. Your stay here is fleeting. You're not meant to settle. You will move. And you will continue to move till the day that I return or the, the day that I call you home. You, you are temporary. And as he began to speak those words to me and as he began to kind of uh, uncurl my grip on what I wanted he began to ease my soul again. He began to remind me that, yes, my home is not here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 16, the writer writes, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were what? Strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not 
ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. What were they? Strangers and exiles. How did God feel about them? He was not ashamed. And what is God doing? He's preparing for them this better country. This is not just their story. This is your story. This is our story. Perhaps you graduated and you, your dream was to come to this valley. Your dream was to come to this part of the bay. Your dream was to work in that spaceship that I want to get into tomorrow morning, right? This, perhaps that was your dream and now you're living it. And you have that bathroom. You have that shower that rains over you, right? This is not your, temp, this is not your permanent residence, Perhaps you're looking for that someone that will make this your home. That husband or wife, perhaps even kids. You need to understand, these also are given to you on loan. You return all of these things and people. Someone said it once like this, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience, we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. And the reason why this is very important is because the reason why this is this is a very huge point in our, in our Christian experience is because oftentimes this gets in the way of our obedience. When you look throughout scripture, oftentimes God's first words to his people are go, leave, depart. When Jesus met his, the, the disciples, he would say, leave everything and follow me. Oftentimes God will command you to leave things. And they may not be physical places. They may not be a, ge- a geographical zone. But it may be something in your life that you're clinging on to. God says, depart from it and follow me. Throughout scripture, we see God commanding the Israelites to depart. We see God commanding Abram to depart. The disciples, the church, even to this day, he calls to go, to move, to leave. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is part of our pilgrimage. I want to ask you this morning, what are you holding on to? I want to ask you this morning, why can't you leave? What is the country that we have not yet departed from? What are the local gods, the things that are our ultimate goal, the things that we pay altar to, sacrifice to, that we still have in our lives? What are the things that are difficult to us, for us to depart from? Why do you still have trouble understanding that you are interim, you are temporary? This morning, God is saying those same words to you that he did to Abram thousands of years ago. continues on. It says, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land. What? To the land that I will show you. To the land that I will show you. I came back from Korea. spent a year at our sister church in Los Angeles. And then Pastor Charles, Pastor Keith talked. And they had this idea. Let's bring Becky and Yoon down to Southland. 
I go down there, and then the whole purpose was to get training to, to tr- plant a church. And I'm thinking, great, because I don't know how to plant a church. So I'm going to the, the mothership, right? Southland is kind of like the, the, the hub for the AMI wheel. And I'm going to the head honcho, Pastor Keith, and I'm going to get all the answers uh, to all my questions. Uh, and so uh, in, in my first few months there, I'm trying to get all the opportunities to meet with Pastor Keith. Uh, and also John, John Choi, uh, who's also one of the admin guys. And I, I run into John Choi, and he's, he's been through many church plants as well. So he's, he, he, he has know-how. And so I, I meet him. And if you guys know John Choi, and hopefully this doesn't go out because this is uh, kind of a personal story that keeps, you know, it's between you, you and me, right? Like he, he kind of, he's on his hoverboard, right? He's always on his hoverboard. And he kind of swooshes past me. I'm like, hey, John, I got a quick question. He swooshes back. And I'm like, how do you, like this, how do you plant the church? Or better question, does AMI uh, have a church planting manual? John Choi, not even looks at me, looks to the sky, laughs, <laughs> and zooms away. <laughs> if you know John Choi, it's a very classic John Choi move, right? I'm like, great. And I had some other words in my mind for him, right? Uh, all right, so he didn't help out. All right. But then later, later on, I think a week or two later, I actually had a meeting with Pastor Keith. I'm like, finally, the man. I could sit down with him in his office, you know, and then ask him all these questions. And so I, I, I sit down with him. And he's kind of like a father figure, grandpa, awkward at the same time. Never really looks at you, but looks around you, right? Kind of makes you feel uneasy. Uneasy, right? Uh, and so I asked him, like, Pastor Pete, like, how do you how do you plant the church? How do how do you choose a church name? How do you get your core? And then he's kind of looking at the floor, and then he starts, and then he looks at me. I'm like, ooh, right, you're looking at me. And then he's got like this Korean old man, yet Dracula-like voice, right? <laughs> and he's like, Did you pray? You know, I'm like, All right. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't pray. He's like. Okay. And that was the end of the meeting. I'm like, all right. So I got a guy that will ask me my face. I have, you know, a grandpa Dracula type guy telling me, asked me, did I pray? Pretty much, they were, they were, their answer was, um, we don't have a manual. Like, we're, we're not, we're not going to give you the answers. You need to pray. You need to seek God's guidance. It was a fresh reminder to me that this church plant, much like Renewal, in our lives, that God is the one that leads, that God is the one that directs, that God is the one that shows us the next step. Go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your father's house, where? To the land that I will show you. God did not give Abraham the next 10 steps. He did not, in a typical engineer-type fashion, give him the schematics of what his life would look like. This master plan, he just says, leave, and then I will show you the next step. Go, and I will show you the land where I want you to go to. This is how God works with us. When you look at Numbers chapter 9, verse 15 through 17, it says, on the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony, and at evening it was over the tabernacle like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always for the 40 years. The cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Verse 17, and whenever the cloud lifted or left 
from over the tent. After that, the people of Israel also left. And in the place where the clouds settled, there the people of Israel settled. Very simple. In the morning, you wake up. If the cloud's still there, you stay there. But in the morning, if you wake up, if the cloud goes, you go. And for 40 years, this was the life of the Israelites. Cloud's here, we're here. Cloud goes, we go. For 40 years, this was God's lesson for the Israelites. You go where I go. You stay where I am. Where I stay. Where I am, there you should be. This is the life of the Christian. It's profoundly simple. Where God is, there we are to be as well. But what keeps us from understanding where God is, what keeps us from sensing his leading and his spirit? Us. A big reason why you don't know where God is, is you. Sin is a very unpopular term these days because it talks about accountability. It talks about owning up to our own mistakes, our own flaws. We like to shift it to other things and to other, to other systems. But you need to understand, we, before God, are sinners. We have junk before God. Sin is just more than ticky-tacky religion. Sin in our lives keeps us from experiencing this vibrant relationship with God. It keeps you from understanding what God is doing in your life. Sin keeps us from knowing where God is. For a lot of us, we're, we lack attention. We're so distracted. Our inability to pay attention. Our inability to press into the silence as a generation. That has kept us from really discerning the voice of the Lord in our lives. It could be sin. It could be our attention or distraction. Perhaps you're apathetic. Perhaps you guys are just living expediently. Or perhaps you don't care at all. Whatever it is, there's something in our lives that keeps us from knowing where God is, where he's going, what he's doing. In order to understand God's will, you need to dive into his word. Pastor Ulysses was saying that there's a group of you guys that's memorizing Romans 8. Good luck with that. (laughs) Most scholars, biblical scholars would say that Paul's grammar is pretty bad, right? Uh, Pastor Ulysses was saying, like, the the amount of fours, F-O-R, that Paul puts in, he does not know how to complete a sentence, right? This guy is like one long run-on sentence, you know? But God had chosen him and his grammar to reveal his will. And as you guys memorize it, you're not just doing a Sunday school practice. You are recoding yourself. Right? I'm speaking Silicon Valley language, right? You are updating yourself with the 2.0 version of your mind. You are being renewed through Scripture. 
as you memorize, as you study, as you chew on these words, you are not just doing some kind of religious activity. You are beginning to understand his will. You are beginning to understand God's character. You'll be able to test and discern what, what falls within the will of God and what falls outside. This is what scripture does. Prayer. Prayer is not just simply coming to the church service, closing your eyes and bowing your head. Prayer is simply a matter of submission. Submitting our hearts before God. Are your hearts submitted before God? There's scripture, there's prayer. Are you paying attention to your circumstances? Has God brought someone in your life that you should minister to? God will sometimes make things very obvious. Are you paying attention to what God's doing around you? And are you listening to God's voice through the church? You know, the biggest lie that I think the enemy through Western culture has planted in our hearts is that Christianity is just a me and God thing. Heck no. Let me teach you a little Texan, right? It's a word that's very important in the Texan vernacular. Y'all. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, y'all, right? And say it like with a text journal, y'all, y'all, right? You all. You know, Texans are more biblical than, than Californians are because they use y'all. Because in Greek, every time you see you in the English Bible, it's actually the second person plural. You all. When they would refer to speak to the church, you all, you all, y'all. Paul was a Texan at heart, right? It wasn't you singular. Oh, you have a great relationship with God. In your, by yourself, in a vacuum. No, you as a church are doing life together. You as a church are discerning the will of God together. God has given you an, a great pastor to help you interpret, to help you to discern as he preaches, as he counsels. This is God's given tool for you. In community, we discern the will of God in our lives. It's through scripture, it's through prayer, it's through what God does around us, it's through the church that we understand what God is doing. Let me just encourage you. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul writes this, pretty much says something very similar, you know, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses all understanding. In the Greek, this word actually can also mean which surpasses all planning. And the peace of God, which surpasses all planning, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This morning, I pray for that peace over your lives. That as you seek his will, as you submit to him, as you follow him, that that peace will overcome the anxiety that is usually associated with your planning. That that peace will guard your hearts and minds and your lives in Christ Jesus. God will call us to leave. God will call us to depart. God wants us to pay attention to where, where he is. God will, God will lead us as we pay attention. And lastly, it says what? He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great 
so that you will be a blessing. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. Make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. God desires to bless you. God desires to bless you. You guys are a smart group. You know, if if, uh, Apple's hiring you, you guys... Is you guys are clearly the cream of the crop, but let me try to let me try to uh, stump you guys, or let me test your IQ. All right, um, you guys know the story in Luke chapter five. Jesus uh, meets Peter for the first time. Jesus is ministering; he's uh, uh, preaching, and afterwards he steps into Peter's boat. At this time, we're not sure of how much they know of each other, but most are assuming that this is their first encounter with each other, Jesus and Peter. Peter. And oftentimes we portray Peter as this bumbling fool, a poor fisherman. According to current research, Peter might have been actually the president of a great, very successful fishing company. So, and James and John might have been in his employ, like employees of his. And it says that that night, usually when you go and catch fish, uh, they caught nothing. So this whole successful company went out uh, in the Sea of Galilee, caught nothing. They, they caught not even the smallest of a fish. They come back. Jesus hops into Peter's boat, turns around, and mind you, Jesus is God, but he's also human. He's a carpenter. And he looks at Peter, and he says, go into the deep, set out your nets, you'll catch fish. Now, here's my question. How many fish did Peter need to catch in order for Jesus to prove that he was right, that he was God? How many fish? Ten? Twenty? You guys are are killing the climactic part, right? You know, I usually build up and then I give the answer. One. Thanks for ruining it, guys. No, I'm just kidding. You're right. These professional fishermen, successful fishermen, went out the whole night. When you catch fish, they caught nothing. And Jesus, in broad daylight, when you don't catch fish, tells them to lay down and set their nets into the water. And even if one little sardine jumped into the net, Jesus would have been proven right. Jesus would have been proven that he was God. But my next question to you is, How many fish did they catch? Enough to sink two fishing boats. And you got to think, Jesus is laughing at this time. God is not a one sardine, one anchovy God. God is a two sinking boat, boat sinking God. (laughs) I know the grammar was really off, but don't ruin my flow. This is the character of God. God is not stingy, nor is he calculative. God is not punitive, waiting for you to cross that line. This is the heart of your father. God desires to bless. God desires to fill. God desires to renew. 
You look in another story, same thing. John chapter 2, they're having a wedding at Cana. They run out of wine. What a party foul, right? Who's the husband? Who's the wedding manager, right? But, but Mary comes to Jesus and says, they're running out of wine. What does Jesus do? He tells the servants, get those six stone jars, which, was, which were meant for ritual cleansing. Fill them with water and get ready for a party. Now the same question, how much water needs to be turned into wine in order for that to be a miracle? The simple answer is any amount, a tiniest drop, a little cup. But how much wine did Jesus produce that day, that night? 180 gallons. We're having a party. This is God's character in your life. God does not just come into your life and say, all right, hey, you said the sinner's prayer. Now you're going to struggle and I'll, I'll be gone for a while. But when you die, you'll go to heaven. No, he's not that type of God. He's like, you know what? You, you accepted me. You opened your heart to me. I'm coming into your life right now. I love the video of you guys going to, to the, that community and then helping out those kids. It looked so full of life. This is a picture of God. You know, when you look throughout revival history, God does not just come in and save sinners so they could go to heaven and escape hell. He renews entire cities. The church I was part of for eight years in Korea, it started out with five people in an abandoned army tent post-war Korea. God hit that church. God hit that city. People were healed. Blind people. There was literally a guy that was raised from the dead. You guys think that... that, that doesn't happen. It happens. So many healings that a guy who was trying to keep track, he just gave up. People were being healed. Families were being restored. People even say that the miracle on the Han River, Korea's economic success, was tied to the spiritual renewal. God doesn't just leave you alone and come back when you die. God renews you from this day on forward. This is God. This is his character. This is what God is doing in renewal as well. Amen? That's what he's going to do in the Bay Area through you guys. This is what God does. He renews entire cities. God is a 180-gallon God. God is a two-sinking God. We'll edit this later on. This is who God wants. This is who God is. God wants to lavish his presence, his power upon his people. God wants to heal, to renew, to restore. This is God's character. This is God's nature. This is God. And renewal, this is God in your life. And one thing I want to do, I want to speak that blessing in your life. I know you guys are successful silicon types, but there's something that's still lacking I want to speak that blessing in that place. Your bank account may be looking full. Your position at your company, your car may be that brand spanking new Tesla, but still something is lacking. I want to speak that blessing in your life. God wants to bless you. Let me wrap up here. God desires to bless you. Why? Because he loves you, but God wants to bless you. Why? Because he wants you to be a blessing as well. From the great saint, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, 
with great power comes great responsibility. I think in very similar fashion, with great blessing comes great responsibility and commission as well. As we look at this church plant, um, you know, honestly, I didn't, Pastor, when we're thinking about church plant, the city, um, Pastor Charles at Tapestry, they're the ones that are officially sending this church plant out. We start talking about cities, and my goal was to stay in California because, you know, I'm a Chicagoan, but man, I mean, are you going to go back to Chicago? Probably not, right? Uh, it's a great place here. Um, and I was like, ah, how can I stay in California? So he's like, Pastor Charles is like, oh, what city do you want to go to? And I'm trying to think of all the Californian cities that need a church, right? I'm like, San Gabriel Valley, maybe I'll be next to Ulysses. No, I didn't think about this place. But now, now I was like, why didn't I think about this place? Um, and then I was like, I was kind of floating all these ideas. And then Pastor Charles looks at me and he says, how about Dallas? And I'm like, he's like, he's like my boss. And so what do you say to your boss? You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> But in your mind, you're like, what the heck? Like, I'm not going to go to Texas. Um, we start looking into Texas afterwards. We start looking at Dallas, and we begin to realize, wow, God is doing so much in Dallas. Um, if you listen to podcasts, Freakonomics, they've got a two-part episode of why is everyone moving to Texas. <laughs> Basically, uh, right now, Dallas is the, uh, it's got the highest migration, domestic migration, um, companies are moving there. Elon said, see you, California. He's moving to, to Texas. There's just, they're just, they're just so much going on right now. Um, right now, it's still, real estate's still competitive, but still cheaper than the coast. Um, and there's just so much activity. People at Southland, after they heard we're thinking about Dallas, they're like, oh, we're moving. Or, oh, we've been praying for a church. I journaled 10 years ago, Dallas, you know, like crazy stories like this. What really captured my heart was when we visited in February, one of the pastors, a local pastor said, you know what, it's not just a domestic migration, it's a global migration. Dallas is inviting the high, some of the highest rates of people from all around the world. That caught my attention. And then I began to realize God is a very strategic God. That when God works, he works for a reason. When he called Abram to Canaan, you want to know why he called him to Canaan? Because you had the northern kingdoms. You had the southern kingdoms. There's a tiny land bridge called Canaan that they needed to use for, for commerce, for trade, for communication. And Israel would be situated right there. Some historians think that Jesus came at the time he did because of the Roman Empire. No empire in history had such influence all across the world except that empire. And boom, God comes. Paul was chosen because of his, his background. God is a strategic God. And when you look at renewal, when you look at your position... When you look at what God has done in your life, God is up to something. The blessings in your life, the situation, the position, the, the, the fact that you, you live in this locality, it's strategic. God's up to something bigger than your salary. 
And as you continue to journey with Pastor Ulysses, as you continue to journey with the brothers and sisters at Renewal Church, God is up to something. Amen? And God is doing something. He's not going to give you the 10-year plan. He hasn't given it to Pastor Ulysses. But what has he commanded you to do? To leave, to depart the things that he wants you to leave and depart from, and to follow him. And once you do that, once everyone gets on board, God's going to do amazing things. This is God. Let's stand together.